This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. And today, we have a special guest, Miss Amy Bryant who is an agency owner and also does some peripheral things inside the industry and with small businesses outside. So we're going to dive into a whole bunch of that. For those of you who don't recognize him, with the glasses, it's Mr. Kyle Houck. He's, uh, he's, he's adopted the blue screens these days. It's just got, it's got to happen, man. I can't be blind when I'm 40. It's only a matter of weeks before you start eating your dinner at 4.30. <laughs> I had to go to the chiropractor yesterday. Yeah, I know. Seriously, early bird special. My back is jacked, dude. I'm just, I'm an abs. I'm a walking. I'm a mess. I'm a walking mess. Yeah, I, I'm not even going to argue that. Actually, I feel like it's I don't know. Rare. I don't know how you could. I don't know how you could. I know too much. But anyhow, we're not here to talk about that and in all of the things you have going on because that would be a whole mini series right now. Um, it would. We do want to talk to you though, Amy. Why don't you uh, sort of give us the ten thousand foot overview of sort of what your history is and bring us up to today and then we'll get cranking. Okay. Thank you. Uh, thank you. First of all, for having me on here. Um, I appreciate it. I, um, have been in, I kind of am one of those people that grew up in the insurance business, but swore I was never doing insurance. (laughs) Um, my grandfather, dad, aunt and uncle are all well started in state farm and they're all, um, my dad and aunt and uncle are still state farm agents. And I, so I started in that with my dad's agency and then swore I was going to go get a real job when I graduated and went to, I went to school for graphic design and marketing, um, and then got pulled back into it saying I wanted to kind of run my own business. And I saw the way that the captive agencies were. So my, the progression was more to go towards the independent. So in 2004, I opened uh, my own independent agency. So I joke around that ignorance is bliss because I didn't really realize how it was. I had no companies. I had I couldn't go to my family to write them either because they were all with State Farm. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, so that's kind of how I started. Um, and then my agency, I still have the main office, which is upstate New York. Um, so... Uh, it's been 18 years now, which is crazy <laughs> to think of that. 
Um, and then I have the other, I have another location that we have down in Long Island. So I have the main office is in New York, about uh, an hour north of New York City. And then the other office is in Long Island. So I have the gamut of like, um, you know, just above New York City, we do a lot of the metro business too. And then we also have coastal issues like you sometimes, not quite to the extent that you have in Florida, but we do deal with coastal <laughs> issues um, in Long Island and everything too. Sure. You have a whole so, set of other issues in the city than what we have here. <laughs> I mean, even the state of New York for yes. that matter. Yes. You know, a lot of things with the action over laws and everything that have to be in place, you know, for the construction trades and all of that. I mean, I have it's like people in Florida, honestly. I mean, I see yeah. all these people that want to get their non-residence license for Florida. And my question is why? I mean, we're here full time and can't write business. And, you know, I think the same thing's true for New York, especially New York City. You know, I've got a lot of friends that have agencies there that simply won't even write business because of all of the hoops you have to jump through in the ridiculous cost associated with it for these contractors to comply. It's like, I don't even know how you could be a small artisan contractor in New York City and, and be yeah. able to afford insurance. I don't I don't know how it happens. Well, that and workers' compensation and the cost of all of that is just... Um, I know when I had started, uh, they had just changed the... 240, 241 laws, the action over laws. And there were contractors that were actually setting up shop like outside of New York just to be able to saying that their business was outside hmm. of New York to be able to get the insurance because they premiums were double and triple, you know, like the homeowner's market in Florida. E even if they were doing the work <laughs> in New York. Um, so that's interesting. So, so, yeah, so they would, they would say they were domiciled in like New Jersey or something, but then be doing the work in New York. Yes. Well, so that's how it started. And then they caught on to it quick and that changed real fast. But um, yeah. now, you know, obviously the questions are when you're doing contractors and stuff like that is, are they doing work in the boroughs? Are they doing work in New York City? Because that's a whole different animal with certain things. So, mm -hmm. Interesting. So obviously, I mean, when we, we were talking offline, you said that you focus on, on the commercial mainly, but you know, State Farm is decidedly not commercial. So yeah. talk a little bit about that transition and how that happened. When, like in 2004, well, when you opened up. Well, decidedly not commercial like, here, but the more, I mean, I listened to somebody, I posted in one of the online forums last week, and somebody told me that State Farm, Kyle, you're not even going to believe this. This was about a 50 location pizza franchise. I think you told me about this. Yeah, 50 location pizza franchise. And like, I thought the first guy was a clown for saying it. And then like 15 other people came out and said, State Farm is willing to write standalone oh, okay. hired and non-owned auto on pizza delivery franchises. Hmm. That's interesting. I've never, I, I can't even get my head around, I can't even get my head around why anybody would write that, let alone State Farm. But it seemed like it was so foreign yeah. to what you would expect from them based on what we're used to seeing here. But their commercial presence is much bigger in other parts of the country than we see in Florida. Okay. And it depends, I think, on what the market is. Like, we'll see them even here today, like, float in and then, like, float out. You know, like, they'll say, we're going to write this, and then they'll not want to write it in a couple, you know, in a year or two because they've written so much, right? They're at capacity with certain things. And it's not – so, I mean, it's that's good for them and, every, you know, and obviously the client, uh, but it 
they can't do everything either. So like when I had started, I think my dad had was the one who had said to me, you know, you should look at the independent side because there's more options because I would be in his office and see people starting in 2004 it was like everybody was starting their own business, right? It was where we were. It was I'm going to start hmm. a uh, bouncy house business for kids parties or something like that. So for me, it was good. I got good at writing all of the weird commercial stuff that nobody wanted to do uh, because I had relationships with not just my family, but also probably seven to eight other State Farm agents where, you know, the the individual who was starting their own business would then go to their um, agent and say, can you do this business? And they would say, no, but here, you know, here's somebody who can help you. Um, so it wasn't, mm-hmm. I wasn't necessarily niching myself out. At that point, I was just kind of getting really good at writing all the weird stuff that nobody else wanted to write um, at the time. And that's, but then obviously, then I, I needed to have the, so I didn't have the carriers, but I was writing through certain wholesalers like Chenango Brokers and um, some other wholesalers that were local and then ended up acquiring and going out and getting the markets. And I got the personal lines markets, but then I also got the other commercial markets as well. So. Cool. So what's your favorite thing to write? Like, where are you now? You don't need to be the one who writes all the crazy stuff. Nobody else will at this stage in your career, I can imagine. Or do you still like to do that? And that's where you hang your hat. Now, I guess my, my, my thought behind the state farm thing is, yeah, we don't see it a lot here, but even, even just like commercials on TV, they're never, they're, they're talking about personal auto and, and home stuff only. I never see anything business right. related. Yeah, no, never. That's why I said that. So anyhow, yeah. So w- where are you at this point in, in your career? Are you still, are you still looking for like kind of that to be that person that's writing the crazy stuff nobody else will? Or have you like honed in, Hey, these are my ideal prospects and this is what I'm really good at. And I'm going to focus my time and energy on going after this, these core classes of business. I mean, I won't, I, I won't shy away from it. Like I know I've seen your boot camp day where you're like, you know, go stick with what you know, but I won't necessarily not um, shy away from the random stuff if it if it's something that I can do and that I can help someone with. If it's outside of my wheelhouse, I'm not going to do it. But I think what we've kind of gotten really good with are doing the contractors. Um, I'm good at the restaurants and uh, we, of course, the small mom and pop stuff is, you know, a good place even for my newer producers to come in. I start them out with writing all of that stuff to get them used to writing that. Um, Larger commercial auto and, and different things like that are kind of where we stick to. A lot of contractors, though, definitely, even the small artisan guys, we do a lot of that. Do you find that it's a little bit different for each office? You've got the one in upstate and then you've got one in Long Island. Obviously, those are you know two kind of totally different yeah. uh, areas. So is it is it different for each office or is it kind of the same? It's different with how we can write them because uh, certain commercial markets down on Long Island won't let us deal with um, the contractors are different. But I think the part of the reason why we did more of the contractors is because you're not dealing with the property as much because... Some of the guidelines here are like a mile 
from the coast or two miles from the coast. And then it has to be like a masonry non-combustible building or something like that in order to be able to write it. So depending on the market, it's it can get a little difficult down on Long Island. How, how, how wide is Long Island? I don't even know. I'm not from... It's yeah, not more than not, originally, so it's not more it's than long. like a few. Well, it's long, it's but long. yeah, but like wide. It's it. I mean, but, I'm just thinking the like reason. Yeah, the reason I be, know that is because yeah. I flew into JFK one time and had to get across there to get somewhere. Well, it'd be I don't dumb even, as hell if a, if a place named Long Island wasn't long. Like that's ridiculous. Know, no, like Archibald it'll take you like seven foot three. <laughs> It'll take you a uh, good few hours to get across from like the beginning of Long Island to the end of Long top Island. Top to bottom. But, I mean, yeah. no, 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 lengthwise, lengthwise, but right, uh, right. like east to west. But top okay, to okay, bottom yeah, yeah. is maybe like a forty-five minute drive. It's not, and that's right. with traffic, so it's not far. I mean, it just. I guess I'm just thinking from from a it's proximity the to the close. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Like everything's got to be within a few miles of the coast, I would think. Right. So when Sandy came up the coast and hit here, which was a superstorm, they didn't even say it was like a hurricane, right? So that there were boats that were, you know, over from the south shore about a mile to two, about a mile up inland. So like you would see someone's boat like inland up a mile on someone's front lawn. So Damn. it's crazy. So yeah. So they changed the guidelines and some of the companies say anything uh, two miles has to be on the South Shore is two miles because the South Shore gets more wind. Um, the North Shore, even though the elevation is up there, they still say it's a mile inland um, hmm. in order to write. Yeah. So there's like a small part in the middle that you can write with commercial. Okay. Unless it's non-standard. So, I mean, there's non-standard markets that you can do. Right. and surplus with stuff but dude i look like a factory line <laughs> worker in like a light manufacturing <laughs> yo-yo plant or something like this is absurd i'm gonna take these off i hate them i think we need a speech uh thought bubble kyle that comes up <laughs> there you go sure. there you go so i'm interested in the in the the marketing piece of what you're doing the digital marketing and all of that because you know it sounds like you have degree in that background in that so for me i i make no bones about it marketing is my passion right that's really what i like to do and we i yeah. even said it yesterday when yeah. we had one of our carrier partners in i'm i'm a marketer first and an insurance agent second if i can't get leads in and business in the door it doesn't matter how much i know about insurance so mm -hmm. i tend to gravitate more towards those types of activities in the agency because that's where i feel the most comfortable and where i get the the biggest the most bang for What's, my buck yeah and you you provide a ton of value in that in that area right that nobody else can right yeah, to a certain degree, but I mean, it's also probably going to get to a point where at some point it's not the best use to my use of my time. So, talk a little bit about what what that looks like for you, Amy, if you don't mind, and then specifically, how do you balance time between doing work like that and engaging with third parties, and then making sure that the agency's not suffering as a result? Um, well, I think I'm kind of similar to like what you said, where I like I've trained my staff to do on the agency side, more of the commercial writing and the business. So if it's something that's a little more trickier or something that they don't understand, I will walk them through it and I help them uh, with that. But I'm more like you where I like generating the marketing to get the business in. Um, 
Because if you're not, I think in any business, if you're not helping put the awareness out there and, and bring the business in, then it's, it's not going to continue, right? Like, and I kind of, I got started in the digital marketing part of it um, because I felt like there was, I was involved in PIA and the young insurance professionals in New York. And I felt like there was a disconnect where I saw the way that everything was moving digitally and online. And there was a much easier way to reach clients. Because when I started in 2003 and four, we did direct mail, right? Like that was how you, I mean, I had DSL. So like, (laughs) I'm in that unique part where it's like, we started this way. And now the trend has gone more online. And um, I think, you know, I've, helped agents and other small businesses kind of like realize that there's a way that you can put your personality for your agency out there. Um, You can market yourself, you know, through content. And it doesn't just have to be Facebook ads, but it's like creating video and creating unique content and being that resource for people to come back to and teaching people insurance, but in a way that fits your personality that shows people what your agency is and showing people who the people are in your office and um, in a way that's unique to you guys and separating you from everybody else. And, and you can do it with ads. That's kind of like direct mail from when we used to do it, but it's so fine tuned and tailored that you can pivot so much faster today than we used to ever be able to do that. And I felt like, um, you know, that I saw where agents would just look at it with like a blank stare, right? Like I've even done speaking stuff where I've talked to people about Instagram or Facebook or different things. And they're like, what's that? So I felt like I had to kind of help them to teach them, you know, like we all know what Facebook is, but do you know, like how to use it from your business page to your personal page to gain more traction or that Facebook is not really showing your clients, your business page. So you have to figure other ways to be creative with it, you know, to market it and and use that to get the business in for you and for the niches that you want to target, you know? How much, if any, has it changed since COVID for you? With what? With the marketing? and Yeah. Um, like, like, have you noticed any type of difference in the way that you approach things from a digital marketing standpoint because of COVID or in, you know, I, I, obviously New York has a little bit of a different situation uh, from a COVID perspective than many yeah. of the other places in the country, especially Florida. Uh, so I was just curious if that had any impact on the way that you did things. Um, I think, well, for me, like my, so my business and the way that I've run the agency, because I've had the two locations, like from very early on, even years before COVID, I did things as like nimbly and as digitally online as I could. Right. So for me, I haven't had as much of an impact. Like my dad's agency, uh, was not right. So I know when COVID hit with him, I kind of had to show them how everyone, cause we were all working from home for like, I don't know, six months or so. Mm-hmm. Um, my office staff were always in contact with each other. Um, and doing video chats and stuff like that on a regular basis. So that wasn't anything different. Um, the way that we marketed and let people know what was going on with the agency online and doing different stuff like that, I felt like became more digital and 
And I was even showing other agents and businesses, small businesses too locally, how do you get online? Like even the mom and pop restaurants, like certain clients of ours, I know we would have conversations with because obviously there's no business interruption coverage with Mm -hmm. COVID, right? Mm -hmm. So that was like, okay, if I could, and they were mad and they were frustrated, but if they, and so I felt like at least I could help them troubleshoot and pivot and provide some sort of resource, right? Well, if you can't get this, how can you pivot so that you can get the sales or do what you need to do to be able to get back into business as quickly as possible? So you're limiting the amount of downtime that you have and you're not out of business, right? Like, cause the whole thing at that point was more of a survival mode and how do you pivot right. and doing things digitally and being online and figuring out how to do all of that stuff. They had to do it very quickly. And I had a skill that I could teach them how to do that, even if I couldn't give them the cover, you know, give them what they wanted with the insurance coverage. I can tell you, I think it's pretty powerful. I mean, it doesn't matter what size of account you get into. People Mm -hmm. always want to talk about growing their business, right? Right. So for me, um, because I do have marketing chops, it's easy for me to just sit down and start a conversation around marketing and helping a company grow their top line. Right. That's a far more attractive conversation for them to get involved in than, hey, let me sell you these policies for all of these mm-hmm. different things. If you have the right conversation and you're you're slick about it, you can start the conversation around marketing and end up at the insurance if you want to. Mm-hmm. You know, and so for me, that's something that I can easily get very quickly animated about, have a good conversation about, give good advice around, and like you. I tell my kids all the time, and I've talked about it on the podcast before. You know, when I left to go to could sc- go to college, there was no internet. Like we didn't <laughs> have it. You know, you talked about having DSL. We didn't even have dial-up. You know, I remember when Prodigy and Netscape and AOL and all of that first started coming on to the scene. And by the time I was done with my freshman year, I do think that we had email available to <laughs> us. And we might be able to get out to an external site if you knew how to, you know, navigate that. Yeah. And I look at where we're at today. And and the reason I bring that up is because I feel like that gives me a distinct advantage over the fact that I didn't, you know, because I didn't have that. I view that as a strength for me because I watched how it was built and how it was developed Mm -hmm. in the different ways that people went. And so when I see things that hit now, I tend to look at them from a different perspective Mm -hmm. as a result of that. You know, we're dealing with an issue in Florida that is not, you know, it's not new, but it's the worst that it's been in a while. And that's with our property insurance and our, you know, homeowners and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And we had a really good relationship with St. John's, who now has gone belly up. They're financially insolvent. State's taken them over, and they've assigned that book of business to a new startup company called Slide Insurance. But, and and so let's stop there for a second. The grumbling around all of that has been, oh, this is nobody who hasn't, they've not proven themselves another insure tech. They're going to cut the agent out of the middle and do this and do that. Except for the fact that the CEO of Slide is the gentleman that was the CEO of Heritage that stepped down specifically to start this company. Mm -hmm. 
And he's already proven that he can do it once, right? So I I feel like while some of my more old school peers are sitting here throwing off on this, like, oh, it's just going to be another way to screw us over, which is pretty much the way the old guard always thinks about anything, no matter what it is. You could, you could show it to them, and they're going to think it's there to screw them over. But, you know, I look at it as... This guy's already built a company that's been successful in the exact arena, in the exact state, Mm -hmm. for that matter. And if they've put some sort of an insure tech component to that, I honestly feel like it only makes them more powerful, you know, way more so than if they were just operating the way that Heritage operates. And not that there's anything wrong with that. Probably my favorite of our homeowners carriers uh, to deal with in terms of pricing and ease of use for their user interface on the quoting side. Yeah, it's not bad. And all of that. So I'm rooting for them. We don't need carriers to go belly up, and we certainly don't need new carriers, you know, coming in and failing. We need this to work. Mm-hmm. And and as you know, I, I feel like that only happens if we get the agent community on board to, to make sure of that. But I think that it opens your mind a little bit when you've watched how technology has grown and developed over the years, and you're not as quick to dismiss some of the new trends and things that we see as a result of that. That's just my perspective on it and how I've, I've typically looked at this stuff. And that's why I don't get too riled up when I see a new, like a Swift or somebody like that come in, you know, the track record has been, everybody comes in and thinks that you can use artificial intelligence to underwrite in Florida and they set their rates artificially low. And then they either have to jack their rates, which we're seeing right now, or they're not, you know, they're going to actually work out. (laughs) So I just think we need to be more open-minded to some of this technology because it's one of the reasons why the insurance industry lags so far behind so many other industries is because, you know, there's an aging workforce out there that still makes up a substantial amount. And I... Well, just... Yeah, go go ahead, Amy. Sorry. Well, look at Kyle's glasses. That's a whole new uh, tech thing that we never had to use. (laughs) Um, He probably thought he was getting the Google glasses. (laughs) I'm going to step on these as soon as we're done with this. I love them. I love them. But I think um, it's it's funny because I think it's a combination. I think it's a combination, right, of like both – like how we were and how we are today. And that's where the most successful people will be. Like some people think they can develop these elaborate Facebook ads to, you know, lead this customer down this path to where they can book a calendar and purchase the insurance and the client never has to speak to a human being. And I think there's something still to be said about us speaking as advisors and helping people who like really care about protecting their families or protecting their businesses the right way. And so I think it's a combination of both, like you said, where you have to have the new with a combination of like, you could teach anyone insurance, but you can't teach empathy and you can't teach speaking to people and how to, you know, personality and taking care of people. And I think, you know, online, you can show that through social media and advertising, but at the same point, you still have to pick up the phone and talk to someone. And that's where the most successful people are going to be in that combination of the both. Like you said, uh, with technology, it's, it's exciting. It's fun because it's just a new way to reach people. I feel like it's another way to showcase who you are and your expertise and what you can bring to the table, in my opinion, at least with everything. 
Yeah, well, I mean, and from a marketing perspective, it's easier today than it ever has been, mm-hmm. right? I mean, now you People have the People are constantly on do- their phones. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, th- it's that, but it's even just getting the data of knowing how to create yeah. a custom audience on how you're going to target market to them and then all the retargeting capabilities that you have as a result of that. And, you know, the tricks of just getting – I shouldn't call it a trick because it's not really a trick. It's a skill – but putting something out and getting that level of engagement to where you can, you know, see, okay, maybe this person clicked, but they're not really ready to commit yet. So now I can put them into a different hopper and send, mm-hmm. serve them different ads to sort of nurture that relationship. Look, Facebook is genius for that. I don't, you know, I don't care what anybody says. If you go into my closet right now Dude. and look at my or just look at anything that I have. I mean, I've bought everything from appliances to cufflinks to I mean, if it shows up in my newsfeed, there's a high <laughs> likelihood at some point it's I'm going to have it. Hey, look, here's world's biggest success story for for target marketing is Tacovis boots, right? Tacovis western boots. I'm a big fan of cowboy <laughs> boots. I specifically like cowboy boots that have Iguana um, exotic skin. Yeah, I want snakeskin, you know, alligator, caiman crocodile. Dude, I will tell you though, when I was a kid, I had these sick, sick snakeskin boots that I would not take off. I went to sleep with them. Like I, I would, I would refuse to go to bed without taking. Like my mom would try to take them off. That was not happening. I was, I wore cowboy boots only for like two years of my life. They never came off my feet. So I, 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 I can, I can get behind that. So where, yeah, so where I was with that is first time they had an ad, I'm like, let's see if these are as cheap as what they say they are. Boom. Click on it. Pricing seems about right. And I, I just flirted with them for a little bit, probably, you know, a couple weeks, whatever else. The next thing you know, I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to get a new pair of boots because this is a good price. I now have like 16 pairs. Okay. (laughs) So Every time there's a new drop, every time there's a new, you know, version that, you know, new skin that comes out, whatever else, and they've they've built their community right, right? So now I'm a I'm an insider. I get text messages the day before it's released to the public. I'm in their private Facebook group, and they are I'm just throwing them money like they're the the greatest thing ever, right? But they did it right because they have data and they know how to get people engaged. And all you have to do is get that one piece of engagement and the rest of it is all automated on mm-hmm. their end for the most part. And they can just sit back and let the money machine work. I, th- I think... Hey, uh, by the way... Go ahead, go This is <laughs> irrelevant, but I just saw for the first time Dr. Squatch commercial on ESPN yesterday. Yes. They did the Super Bowl last year. Did they really? Yeah. Well, that explains why I missed that. <laughs> no, the year Tampa was in it. I know. Which is I, exactly yeah, what you I don't. Sure you <laughs> don't remember much of anything from that experience. Carry on. Um I well the other thing I was gonna say is like chatbots, you know, with the automated responses combining it with AI, but also with us answering them. You know, we have to compete today with the direct carriers, right? So if you have somebody who goes online and they're quoting with the Geico's or the progressives directly and getting responses right away from somebody who has a 24-hour customer service, developing a chatbot that can take someone at least down the pathway to sending off information, I find gives that customer that instant gratification while waiting and going, oh, okay, they have multiple carriers, so they're going to do it for me, but at least... 
they were active and started the process and they know that you're going to work with them and getting back to them on stuff. So I find that like, you know, some agents I know have said, oh, well, chatbots and AI is not good. But at the same point, I feel like it puts us on that even playing level before we because I'm not up. I mean, sometimes I am, but I'm not always up at 2am to chat with people on messenger or something, (laughs) you know, something else. So but this this goes into what you know, this kind of goes into what I was saying before about we, we have these confirmation biases, right? Like we, we don't want that to work. We we don't we don't think that people want that for whatever reason, right? Th- these these are completely unintelligent assumptions in most cases. I have a feeling that the average client out there, you know, that's forty and under, would actually prefer a chatbot if they could have one. Mm-hmm. Like if they, if I've got a quick question that says, "How do I add a vehicle?" Do I want to really have to take the time to pick up the phone and call the agency, you know, or do I just want to go to their website, look for a fillable form, or a chat bot that pops up and I put it in there. Hey, this is what I want to do. Um, you know, yeah. I, I want to add a vehicle and it gives you the things, mm-hmm. you, the steps you need to follow. Click the link, takes you to the form, put the information in the form, send it over to us and you're golden. Well, and at the end of the day, yeah. it helps, Provided. it helps us to be able to sell more, right? Because now we're not doing all of that service work. The chat bot is essentially doing the service work for you. So you can do more of the selling and writing more business. Sure. Sure. I mean, and and that to me is where, you know, there's a defining line because you have to be willing to adopt that kind of technology. And look, let's, let's also be honest. There's some really bad chat bots out there. (laughs) That's what I was going to say. I was going to say, provided the chat bot works. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Your chat bot is only as good as the knowledge base behind it. Right. Right. So, you know, most people probably have never integrated this with their own website before understand how it works. But basically, you know, if you build a chatbot right in, in its rawest form, it's essentially automating the FAQ section yes. of your website. You should already have a really robust FAQ section on your website to answer the questions that people have to begin with. All this does is takes it and repackages it and puts it into an interface that's then going to look for the keywords in that FAQ, which, by the way, when you set the chatbot up, you can define the keywords that you want specific questions attached to. Mm-hmm. And then it populates so that when somebody puts in auto change, boom, you might get three different results. One for, you know, how do I add a vehicle to my policy? How do I delete a vehicle? How do I change autos on a commercial policy or whatever else? But, you know, you have to have all of that stuff done right. So I feel like a lot of the times that people have these opinions about this stuff not working, it's because they haven't really created clarity and definition around how they would answer those questions if they didn't have a chatbot, right? right? The chatbot's not the animal there. Go build out the FAQ section of your website. And if you don't want to have an FAQ section, just go write a blog post for everything that you have as an FAQ. If nothing else, it's going to give you great evergreen content to live online. And you're going to be in a position at that point where you, you don't ever have to worry about whether or not you're a subject matter expert, whether people can find you because you've created an ecosystem where you're answering questions for people proactively through content, whether they realize you're doing that or not. And, and you don't have to do it. Like if you have staff, I'm sure you can ask your staff, what are the top five questions that you get asked every, like, what are the questions you get asked the most? And those are the questions that then you answer. And that's how you start your FAQs, you know, involve them in it too. Because it'll take help them and take some of the pressure off of them. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I get up and speak in public, that's one of the things that I talk about. If you don't have a content strategy for your agency, put a pad and a pen next to every phone. (laughs) Anytime the same question is asked to one of your staff twice, have them write it down and then go answer that question. It's that simple. Right, write a blog post to answer the question. Now you're educating your staff because they may not know the answer to every question. So in some cases, they may have to research it and get information to create a blog post, but you've already got it out on your website now. And then the other thing is, if you have people that are out there on the streets, it gives them instant credibility. If they're meeting with a prospect who says, hey, can you give me some more information on this? You can easily go in and say, you know what? I'd love to. I'm going to give you some bullet points here, but I wrote an in-depth article or an in-depth series of articles based on this exact topic and I'm going to I'll shoot you the link as quick as I get back to the office and be interested in your feedback on what you thought. Yeah. And then if you even took it a step further and made like a checklist or a resource page that was a clickable, downloadable link where now the person has to enter their name and email, One- now you're building your list. <laughs> of the time, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and we are all about anything we can do to provide collateral. Um, We have have the ability to use HubSpot to do lead scoring for us. So anything we can get them to click on or download or whatever only improves the lead profile of that prospect inside of the CRM. So we know where to spend our time and where not to spend our time. And so, um, you know... there's just so many things you can do. I think that one of the places where agencies fall short is, let, let's face it, we all have tons of content at our fingertips mm-hmm. right now, right? So we just do a really bit, really bad job of repurposing yeah. that. If I wanted to go and do a webinar for an hour on how to cut costs in your workers' comp program, which, by the way, <laughs> I did, and it lives on my website as an exit intent so that if people want to sign up to go watch the webinar on demand, they can go do that. But I also could take that same webinar and put it into Adobe Premiere and chop it up into like 25 or 30 different you know, two to three minute video clips that I can then link back to the original place for them to sign up and watch the whole thing and then push it out to all my social channels where I'm getting people to click based on the soundbite that they've listened to to go back and listen to the whole thing. And now I've got them in my ecosystem. You know, so many times I think we get so concerned with closing the deal that we don't realize that really all you have to do is get them into your ecosystem, get them into your CRM. If you've built that outright, you've got the drip campaigns that are going to nurture that lead. You've got the other places they're going to go to or be suggested to go to on your website. I mean, I use Advisor Evolved for our website. Chris does an awesome job for us. I will never leave him. But if I ever were to leave him, I could go to HubSpot and take it even a step further. And depending on where you're visiting my site from in the country, based on your IP address, my website is going to render a completely different version than if you're here. Mm -hmm. So if you're in Tampa and you go to Florida Risk Partners, you're going to get one version. If you're out in Idaho and you go to Florida Risk Partners, that that landing page is going to populate with a combination of geographically specific information to your IP address and also other articles around similar topics that you have viewed when you've been on my page in the past. It's going to suggest all of that, pop it onto the landing page that you get to, and it's a tailored experience for people based on how they consume your content. You know, a lot of people, it's it's a roadblock for them just to create the content or start that process. It's a much larger roadblock for them to understand and know what to do with it 
after they've created it and how to measure it and make sure that it's being effective. And then going back and fine tuning it if it's not performing well. You know, at this point, I don't know of any WordPress site that I've seen that hasn't had the Yoast plugin for SEO on the back of it. I'm not going to debate the merits of whether or not Yoast is the best SEO plugin or not, but I will debate the fact that it's extremely easy to use. It's red, yellow, and green. (laughs) And all you have to do is know your keywords and make them all green, make everything green in there. And you should have a reasonably optimized post at that point. But people don't take the time to do that. They're just so worried about slapping the content up. It's like, why? That's like hiring a salesperson and then not training them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's not training them how to open doors. You have to be able to do those things. Or, And like you said, you're the marketer and I like the marketing too. If you're not a marketer, I think as an agent, a lot of times they think it's like getting a train started, right? It's like, where do I start? How do I do this? And it seems so overwhelming, especially for agents that have been in the business for longer. It's like, like the younger agents like even my kids today, they don't know anything besides video chat, right? Like, so when they're older, that's all to them. That's normal. Um, I think for all, for like us and people that are older that have, you know, been in the business for a longer time, knowing where to start right now, seems like they're so far behind and so overwhelmed with it, but you don't have to do that. I feel like you can work with people that, or outsource it. Exactly. You know, Yep, 100%. I would you, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't do that. I, He's I, busy look, enough. I know, don't do that I, to I, him. I, well, yeah, but I mean, I know what I know, and I'm certainly not like a I, – I'm not an amateur, but I'm also not a master. I mean, I'm a big believer in if, there are th- if it's not something that you know or that you're passionate about and want to do it as a hobby, you just need right. to outsource it, right? Yeah. The reason I'm into the marketing stuff is because it's honestly more like a hobby right. for me. I like tinkering with it. I like watching what works and what doesn't work. And so for me, that's something that when the kids are in bed at night and we're laying there, you know, in bed or sitting in the living room watching TV on our laptops, I'm going to sit and play around and do that kind of stuff. I don't view that as work. I I relax when I do that in this sick and twisted way. (laughs) But if it's things like if I wanted to get really hardcore about SEO, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to I'm not going to take the time to learn that. I'm not going to learn for for a couple of reasons. Number one, because it's going to change by the time say, yeah. I like have the chance to changing. learn it. Yeah. There's going to be a new update and everything else. So. Think of how fast it's changed even from like, you know, it's like the time frame of how fast it's changing now is shrinking in comparison to like where it started, even from like when I started my agency, you know, and then, you know, like even where you started, David and stuff, you know, it's just changed so much faster and it's only going to get faster. And I think that's why sometimes it does seem overwhelming to people because it is constantly changing. Even Facebook today with their new things about privacy and like their new with meta, now their ads have all changed and they've changed targeting. So you have to go back in and fix all of that. So it's like this constant. And like you said, if you're not interested in it, if you're not interested in CEO, SEO, you're not going to go in and and learn it to then have to learn it again to then have to learn it again because you're not constantly in it. So I think you do have to work with people who it's fun for them <laughs> and find what's fun for you, you know. So so what would your number one piece of advice be for anyone who is looking to get more involved in the digital marketing aspect of their agencies? Um I would say like David said, I 
you don't have to reinvent the wheel. I would go through what you have now and start creating content. I would create content that you can repurpose. You, we all collected testimonials at one point in time, right? Like an easy way to do that is to create a visual aspect of a testimonial by either doing video with words or, you know, Canva is like a great tool for anyone without a design background to be able to use very easily. Like you could spend 10 minutes on Canva and make something that looks great that you could put on your website or your social media. I think it's important. Like people shop with you as an agency for a reason, right? Either they're coming to you because you're, you're niched out or they you're local and they like your personality and they, you know, there's, I don't know, like 30, 40 agents within a 10 to 15 mile radius of me, but people come to me and shop with me and stay with me for years because of how we do business versus the person down the street. And I think in today's day day and age on digital, you have that ability to show that to so many more people than to, than to just be in your own little like five mile radius. You can show it to everybody in your state. You know, there's, you can reach that many more people. So I think showing who you are and the reason why people choose to do business with you and how you do business, I think is an important way and a good way to start on digital. And it doesn't have to be through ads. It could just be through content that you're posting and creating. And maybe your sta- ask your staff, have your staff get involved. Because I think it makes it more fun and it's easier when you know everybody's on board or uncomfortably on board, but <laughs> on board. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Cool. So what have we missed? What do you want the world to know about that we haven't talked about yet that's about Amy Bryan? What, what, what could we finish off with? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think we covered a lot of it. I think we covered, you know, the agency, we covered the digital stuff. I think, um, I know you had said, how do I balance it? I, I have a lot of help. You know, I have, uh, VAs that help (laughs) me on the digital side. I have, you know, staff and VAs that help me on the office side. And I think it's, it's not always a balance. I think it's kind of like a circular motion and working with everything that way, but it all goes together. You know, I think that's, that's it. My, my advice for agents to get if who want to do digital is to not be afraid just to jump in and try it. You're not going to mess something up. I mean, it's not the end of the world. If you Google hard enough, you're going to find video. Yeah. If you look hard enough on Google, you're going to find videos (laughs) I did 15 years ago that are absolutely atrocious, right? I just didn't stop. I I didn't care what people thought about how I looked or how I sounded. I was consistent knowing that I would get better with practice. And so I just never quit doing it. And as a result, it's worked great for me over the years. And yes, I have evolved into a much different animal than I was back then. But I'm going to end with this question. I've I've got a little girl that's eight years old. And right now, the only thing she knows about being in the working world is that daddy goes and works at a cool office every day that has candy when she comes and you know, she can, she can shred when she's (laughs) here. She loves to shred, but I know there's going to come a time when she's going to really want to come and work here. Um, and I feel like that she's going to sell so much shit. (laughs) Yeah. I have a feeling that she's going to be very, very successful just based off of, her DNA, number one, I mean, her mother is an absolute <laughs> savage. Um, but number two, um, 
just because that's that's who she is. Like she is a very good and very persuasive salesperson. <laughs> so my question is this, what would you give, what type of advice would you give to some of the younger ladies out there that maybe aren't sure what it is that they want to do? Maybe they're in a in a career right now as a bank teller or is it maybe somebody listening to this knows somebody who's a bank teller or a paralegal or an office cashier in retail, which are all really good positions to recruit staff sure. from. Um or maybe they're in outside sales somewhere. Maybe it's like Kyle's wife, who's a district manager with ADP, or my wife, who's a director of operations for her company for the U.S. and Canada. If they decided, you know what, I really think I'd like to explore this more, what what can I expect and, and what advice would you give them as a female entering this industry? That's a good question. Um, that's okay. Sorry for the deep question my to end it. Too, so I would, I would... Um, maybe they'll do sales together because she's a good salesperson. <laughs> so, um, I would say there you go to not, it's not easy, but nothing that's ever worth it is easy. Right. So I would say, um, don't compare someone's middle or end of their story to your beginning story either. So don't be afraid and go, oh, well there you're here. And I could never do that because I didn't start there either, right? Like I started asking a million questions and I always asked questions. I guess that's the other thing is I never pretended like I knew something that I didn't know. So if I didn't know something, I would tell the client, let me find out. I'll go back and, and ask. And I was always honest with them about that. I always am constantly learning. And I feel like if you have, anyone can learn insurance, right? Um, if you're caring and you care about mm -hmm. people and you want to help people, I think that's a lot of the reasons why we all kind of get into this business originally is because we like helping people. And I think if you're constantly learning and always have a learning mentality, you're going to be fine and you're going to grow and you're going to do what you need to do in this business and, and you'll be successful. People want to know that they're being taken care of and that they're seen and that they're acknowledged. And I think that's what you have to keep in mind. I think that your your point is, is a good one because I feel like we're at a point in the industry right now where, you know, it's it's well known in in my opinion, it's well known that we're male, pale, and stale. And you have a lot of people out there that have had negative experiences, right? And I think it's important for the people who have had negative experiences to frame those in a way that doesn't discourage new blood from coming in, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yes. You know, I, I, I'm, I, I'm sympathetic. I can't be empathetic because I'm not a female in the industry. So I can't say that I've been there, done that before. And I wouldn't attempt to do that. But I would also caution my friends that are ladies who have had um, negative experiences to not dwell on those. Exactly. And I don't, I, I understand that there are things that you're never going to get over, right? There, if, if you were sexually harassed, that is not something that I'm just yeah. going to say, don't dwell on it, right? I, I That's not where I'm going with this. But I do think that if we are going to drive change in the industry, we need to figure out how to cautiously encourage new female people to come into the industry and in number one and number two be there to give them opportunity yeah right like 
I feel like so many times, and I'm I'm not limiting to this topic, so many times in the insurance industry, we have people that complain over and over and over again about the way that things are, regardless of what that is, but yet they're never around to do anything at all to try and be a part of the solution. It's just easier to sit and complain about it. Yeah. And, you know, my hope would be that when my little girl is ready to come up and in, in, in if she chooses, you know, to come and work at the agency because that's what she really wants to do. My hope would be that she would be able to have female mentors that would say, Hey, look, these are the things that you're, you can expect that, um, you know, you shouldn't put up with, but it's not nearly as bad as it was when I was, you know, when I was in your position as I was coming through the ranks. Mm -hmm. And if that's, if that's the message she gets, then that means that we've also done our job because one of the things that we want to make sure that we do on this podcast is we want to highlight that. We want to highlight the issues that are being faced by salespeople and, and otherwise inside the insurance industry and give people a platform to come out and just voice those concerns and talk about that stuff. Because, you know, I think there's still a pretty good subset of, of people that are my demographic in the industry that quite honestly don't think that there's a problem at all. And that's because they just, they're tone deaf, yeah. you know, they don't, or they're, they're so caught up in the, this is the way things always have and, been. So, mm -hmm. and that's not everybody, right? Like that doesn't make the whole industry. No. And I think that that's, like you said, some people dwell on it and it paints a broad picture and it makes it seem like that's the whole industry. And it's not, I've met plenty of strong, uh, confident women. I've met, you know, plenty of men that support those women too, that are, you know, like in the industry and that are friends of mine, you know, that I don't, I think that it doesn't define the industry. And if something happened to you, you know, like you said, that is, I've had stuff to me too, but, and it's unfortunate, but it's not who we are as people. And it doesn't define how I run my business or who I am or how I lead the people that work for me or what I do in the industry. It just, you know, you just stay focused on, you know, what you have for your goals and what you want to achieve. And that's, I think, most important. Well said. Well, that is a good way to Thanks. end. I appreciate you coming on, taking some time out of your day for us. Kyle, yes. I hope you don't have a headache from looking at the uh, computer screen too much. Thank God no. you have those glasses. Yeah. They're amazing. And a huge help. <laughs> They is are, that a sponsor so for this podcast? <laughs> no, it is absolutely not. And it will no, never it was. Be. It, was a, it was a freaking Facebook targeted ad is what it was. It was, I'm sure. <laughs> absolutely. There you go. Got you again. Thanks, David. I appreciate it. All right, it. Thank good you, deal. Kyle. Well, listen, we appreciate you, and we'll catch everybody next okay. time. See ya. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com.